Onboard computer synchronization. Now entering the nexus of geekery and guy world. In three, two, one, mark. Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? This is the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Presented by IJMBooks.com. Hey, kids, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. I am your host, Ian J. Malone, joined as always by my good friends, Dave Daniels and Scott Esther. Going to get to those guys here in just a second, but before we do, you know the drill by now. We're online, dudesinhyperspace.com. We also do the social media thing at the Hyper Dudes on Twitter. You can join us on Facebook by signing up for our new Facebook group. Just run a Facebook search for the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Click the groups tab, should come right up. Then finally, you can join the show via email at dudesinhyperspace at gmail.com. Uh, lots of stuff to get into for this episode. We have got, uh, good Lord, news abounding from DC uh, Fandom. We've got college football practice actually happening. We've got the NHL playoffs, uh, announcement about a new Tron film, all of that and more coming in our Dude Mail segment. So going to be a fun night. But uh, before we delve off into all of that, let's welcome in my guys, Dave Daniel, Scott Esther. How are we doing this evening, gentlemen? What's going on, man? Not too bad, man. I appreciate you guys giving me a little delay in uh, in the recording tonight. Uh, we kicked it back a good 15 minutes or so. Gave me an opportunity to throw in some trunks and uh, go jump in the lake for a few minutes. Kick around, get wet, cool off a little bit, and then uh, come back upstairs and throw in the cans. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I, I took that extra 15 to uh, finish growing off some uh, some sausages on the grill, finish up some dinner. Nice. Uh, you know, it, it worked out well. So now talk to me about the Esther sausage recipe. Do you have anything special going on tonight or just, just grilling some sausage? No, this was just um, some some sausages from uh, Lowe's Foods and uh, some favorites of ours. A little bit of uh, a little bit of mustard on there, spicy mustard on the on the sausage, and then we go um, have a side of uh, bacon and Brussels sprouts. Oh, nice. If you ever get a chance, if you want to do it uh, kind of the throwaway style, Lowe's Foods is great for sausage, by the way. Like they have, mm-hmm. Dave, you don't have those down there. It's a North Carolina thing, but they've got a whole sausage bar where they mm-hmm. make their own stuff. Uh, everything from breakfast sausage with maple and brown sugar in it to jalapeno cheese and like you name it. And they, they make it and grind it and put it all together in house. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing we like to do over here is I'll buy one of those little disposable bread tins at like Dollar Tree or wherever. Little aluminum jobbers. Uh, slice up some peppers and onions and drop that in there and pour about a half of a beer in there. And then cover mm-hmm. it with foil, poke it so it can steam. Put that on your grill top while you're grilling your sausage. It works great for brats too. Yeah. Uh, definitely a big fan of that. I, I can tell you on my end of it that I have uh, definitely uh, started planning for my first bowl, uh, my first pot of chili, should I say. Uh, I've been thinking about this since the last time I made one. Uh, there is a <laughs> local place that does some sausage. Uh, it's a sweet sausage. It's, got, it's like a uh, brown sugar sausage that they make in-house, uh, not too far from here over in a little town called Monticello. And uh, add a little bit of the uh, the, the tomatoes and, and green chilies to that with some chili beans and everything stuff that goes into there. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it's got a kind of a, a sweet start, a little bit of a hot finish. And uh, I'm a fan. You know, the uh, the fiance's a fan. So uh, nice. it's all that matters. Everybody in the house likes it. Nice. I'm going to be home for the holidays this year. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking a little chili action at uh, the Daniels house could be in order for that. 
yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're we're gearing up for fall up here too, Scott. I'm sure you probably noticed this last weekend. I stepped out on my porch Saturday morning, I think it was, to drink my coffee and just kind of chill out. It was about 66 degrees outside, 65, 66 degrees. Was like, yeah, we're getting to that time. <laughs> uh, we're getting ever so close, but guess what? It's going to heat back up again, and then so we we have to suffer through just a little bit more before we get to those uh, that regular cool temperature where it's in the low uh, low eighties, uh, upper seventies, and then in the sixties at night. So yeah, well, looking I'm looking forward to that. It's coming quicker than you think. I was looking at the weather, and uh, sorry guys, just bear with us. We're enjoying cooking a weather talk here because it's kind of what guys in their forties <laughs> do: grilling some food and looking at the weather app. Um, mm-hmm. but no, I was looking at the weather for this weekend and we're supposed to, to get some rain blowing through from all of the, you know, the stuff that's happening on the coast. But, uh, by Sunday, I think the low is supposed to be 62. Oh, I'm so, in, I'm yep, in. I am very much in myself. It's going to heat back up to 68, 69 by the end of the week at night, but I'll take it. It will mm-hmm. be, it will be a few months before we see 62 anytime soon. <laughs> Dude, you, you won't I'm see okay 62 at Thanksgiving, man. I grew That's up right. in it. If I had a nickel for every time <laughs> I did uh, Thanksgiving and sometimes Christmas and cargo shorts and flip-flops, it'd be, it'd be insane. I'd be retired. Hey, do not make fun. Do not make fun of my Christmas shorts. <laughs> I wear them every year. Uh, it's still a little warm <laughs> while I have them on, uh, but they do very well with my Christmas Crocs. <laughs> so so it's the ugly Christmas sweater with the ugly Christmas uh, cargos with the ugly Christmas Crocs. Is that what you're telling me? One man's ugly is another man's beautiful, my friend. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Well, we got other stuff to talk about besides grilling in the weather. So uh, what do you say we get after it? All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Stow it, sir. And now the news. All right, big headline news topic of the week would be da, 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 DC Fandom, also called all of the stuff that they were going to do at San Diego Comic-Con before COVID-19 killed that event for this year. Uh, a lot of people did the virtual Comic-Con thing. DC said, nope, we're going to take everything that we had planned and we're going to go put on our own event uh, on our own time where we can hopefully suck up lots and lots more money than sharing it with other people. So uh, that led to what we had this weekend, which was DC Fandom, a whole bunch of different panels on everything from DC Films to DC Comics to what's happening on DC Television. Uh, lots of stuff happening there with HBO Max coming around and a lot of the DC stuff porting over to that platform. But uh, can't, can't lead off this topic uh, without the, the one thing that pretty much everybody is talking about and will probably suck up most of the oxygen in this conversation, and that is the Batman we got our first trailer. This is the new incarnation of Batman starring Robert Pattinson from director, and I want to say he co-wrote the script, Matt Reeves. Uh, been a long time coming. Uh, as anybody who followed this project knows, the, um, the movie was shut down with the pandemic, just like everything else. Uh, according to the reports, they got about 30% of it shot before they had to put everything down for a while. Uh, hoping to start back up next month, but we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, they were able to cut together a brief, about a minute and a half trailer, which they unveiled at Fandome, broke online. Everybody has seen it. We posted it to our social media accounts, and it was a thing. So, guys, I'll just go ahead and start this off nice and sky view. First impressions, broad thoughts. I mean, we all grew up fans of this franchise, from Michael Keaton to the Nolan trilogy, here we are again with a brand new iteration of Batman. What did we think? It, you know, when you look at it, uh, and I don't know if maybe it's just that quarantine's getting to me, 
but it did, it did look interesting. It looked interesting enough for me to go want to look at it on the big screen. There was enough uh, there was enough visual there to make it seem interesting enough to where, okay, I'll go put some money into it just to see what it's like. It's not going to be the worst movie I've ever seen in a movie theater. I'm already aware of that. Uh, but let's see what it looks like. Let's see how grandiose they make it. Let's see. It, it, it looks very, very dark. It looks very close to that really gritty... Uh, Batman that you got in the 80s and 90s. That it looks like the Joker. <laughs> it looks like Joker. <laughs> it's pretty much what it looks like is Joker. But, but uh, obviously that worked well. That worked uh, out well, yeah. But it's very dark, uh, you know, and so we'll see. Uh, I, I know that people are complaining about the uh, the emo Robert Pattinson. I just didn't... I don't, I don't know if that's just an emo version of him or if that's just, hey, he's just happened to take the, the, the helmet off or the... the the hat off and now he's he's got some eye black on because that's what you have underneath there to make it look make it look good and his hair's all mussed up because of that or or if it's just that he's emo uh but we'll we'll see how it goes i'm i'm cautiously excited after seeing the uh the trailer scott first impressions of the batman uh, i think dave hit it on the head with the uh you know taking a look at how gritty it's going to be um i'm interested to see what they you know obviously with every new iteration of Batman, the suit is always a, a thing um, to see what what that looks like. I'm also curious to find out if we're going to hear Batman's backstory all over again, if they're going to tell that tell that tale or how they're going to intertwine that because it seems to be a staple in every Batman movie um, about him facing some of his demons from the past. So I'm interested to see how they sort of weave that into this. Uh, we're all very familiar with the with the backstory, but um, you know every villain that he ends up taking on uh, presses his buttons in a different way. So I'm curious to see how they do that in this film. Yeah, well, yeah, I uh, I agree with you on the origin stuff. We've seen Thomas and Wayne, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne, whacked about as often as Uncle Ben from Spider Man. It's like every time it comes up in a trailer, it's like, <laughs> gee, let's lay odds on how this is going to turn out. Mm-hmm. But um, but actually, I can I can answer some of those questions for you. Um, this will not be an origin story. They've made that abundantly clear. Uh, this is set in year two of Batman in Gotham. So he's been at it for a year. So he's still very raw. He's still learning, you know, learning the scene as Batman, kind of kind of staking things out. Um, his suit is. And I actually read an article about this. The suit is meant to be very practical. It is something that he made himself, and it's it's made to be, I mean, essentially riot gear on steroids. You know, with a with a bat look. Um, everything that's on the suit is meant to serve a purpose, right down to the insignia. Which there's a lot of rumors about why, uh, you know, how the the bat symbol on this particular suit came to to get its shape and its look. Um, don't don't know about that yet. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but that's it. I mean, as far as the story itself, the big thing that they're hanging their hat on, and this actually gives me a, a lot of hope for this film, is they want to hone in for perhaps the first time ever on Batman, the world's greatest detective. So this is going to be first and foremost a detective story where he has to put facts together and solve cases. That's what he's got to do. Um he is the Riddler is going to be the main villain, but you're also going to see other people from the Batman gallery, villain gallery show up in this. So Colin Farrell is going to be playing the penguin. Nobody knows how much he's going to be in the film or not, but he's going to be there. 
Uh, there are references in the trailer to the Joker gang. What could be that? So, you know, this may be in a time after Batman has dealt with the Joker. We don't know. That's all stuff we'll have to wait and see. But that's the gist of it. You know, this is going to be a crime thriller, crime drama, uh, very neo-noir. And I thought they, they pretty well nailed that aspect of it in the trailer. Um, but anyway, so that's that's about all I know about it. You know, something else I can tell you is Matt Reeves, and Dave and I talked about this offline, Matt Reeves is a good storyteller. Um, you know, when I heard they were going to boot out Ben Affleck, I was kind of, eh, I was kind of indifferent on that. Uh, he's made some some stinker films, but he also brought you Argo, which was a great film, obviously. So uh, when I found out they were going to replace him, I, I was kind of on the fence about what I thought that would turn out like. But when they hired Matt Reeves, I thought this has really got the opportunity to to have some chops. Uh, if you go back and watch the last two Planet of the Apes films, they were Planet of the Apes films that I actually cared about. Like, I thought they were genuinely cool stories. So, um, you know, if you can pull that off, then you must know your craft. So, and when I found out it was going to Matt Reeves, I was pretty excited about it. But, uh, but anyway, so back to, back to the group discussion. What is it that we want to see out of this film? And I actually just kind of touched on that a little bit my own. Scott, I'll give you lead on this question. You know, what do you want to see out of this film? Obviously, you don't want it to be an origin story. You made that clear. We know right. they're not going that route. So, you know, what what is it as a fan you want to see out of this film? I think I want to see uh, how well they can tell a detective story. You know, every, almost every Batman film has been, you know, he's got all the gadgets. He's already, you know, got everything worked out. He's, you know, He's got all the fun toys to play with. You know, we've seen the, you know, the different iterations of the Batmobile and all the crazy things that it can do. I think in this one, you know, if they're really going for that detective story, then let's show the reason why he's the world's greatest detective. Right. Um, let's let's see him figure out, you know, the different riddles. Let's see him, um, you know, turn the turn the story around so that these, you know, the villains who are thinking that they're clever. Um, obviously just sort of turn the tables on those guys in a, in a different way. I don't necessarily need to see him, uh, you know, beating up everybody. Um, right. But, Although uh, clearly from the trailer, he yes. knows how to do that too. <laughs> yes. There's a uh, quite a few, uh, I think they, uh, the Foley stage took a, a number of, uh, celery breaks, uh, to, <laughs> to make the sound and just in that one scene. Sure. But, um, no, I, I, am looking forward to seeing, uh, to seeing how well they pull together that detective story. Dave, what do you want to see out of the Batman? You know, I, a combination. Uh, yeah, let's let's do a little bit of the the detective work, uh, but let's let's see the, the the good action. Let's see the if you look at Batman through the years and what Batman has always been and what he's tried to accomplish, and he's always been just brutal, just a brutal. And one of the scenes that in that trailer that really captures that is is the guy that he ends up taking down and it spends a good, it must be like six seconds on screen just while the guy's on the ground just wailing. Right. (laughs) Just wailing on this kid. And, uh, you know, and of course, uh, we we got the the lovely line, I have vengeance. But it's it's one of those, it's one of those things where that's what we see Batman for. That's what we want to go watch Batman for. You know, the, the iconic scene from the original Batman where the guy comes out and he's flipping the swords and doing the whole nine and then just gets whacked. The, the 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 just the action going through let's let's get a good old fashioned yeah we can figure out some stuff we've got things going through but let's get enough action in there where the plot holes just really don't matter anymore 
Yeah. See, I'm going to throw in with Scott on that. I've seen that. Like I've, I've, that's not, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that and that's, it is something you're spo- totally not supposed to say on, uh, on, on a geek culture podcast. That's kind of my problem with a lot of comic book movies now, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've seen all of the action sequences, right? There was a commercial a while back. Uh, I don't remember who it was for. It was a spot for something. And the gist of it, like the punchline was, you have reached the end of the internet. You have seen everything. Go do something else. And I really do feel like comic book movies as a, as a genre, they, they, I mean, listen, man, when they closed Avengers out with Endgame, that was something that we truly had never seen before. And we talked ad nauseum about really just how much credit Marvel deserved for pulling that off, tying 10 years of stories across multiple franchises together into one giant clear tapestry that culminated with Infinity War and Endgame. That had never been seen before. Now that we're past that, I kind of look at the Phase 4 and Phase uh, phase 5 slates for Marvel, and I'm just kind of like, all right, well... What do we got here? Um, how is this going to be any... How are you going to beat that? How are you going to top that? How are you going to reinvent yourself? And, uh, you know, with, with, with this, that's really what I want to see out of a Batman film. I've seen Batman go out and kick ass. I've seen all of the toys. Um, I've seen awesome Batmobiles. I've had all of that. And it's not that I that should not be in this film. It should be. But, you know what? I want to see a Batman that's more like an L.A. Confidential. I don't know if you guys remember that film from back in the 90s that starred a guy named Russell Crowe that nobody had heard of, Guy Pierce, uh, Kevin Spacey before we knew he was a nut bar. Um, and it was a great crime story. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a story that by the end I get some sort of a plot twist that I just go, whoa! And it's that moment when the ring rolls across the floor in the sixth sense and you just, you're, you're, you know, your jaw hits the ground. Spoiler alert for people who haven't seen The Sixth Sense. Um, <laughs> I, and if I would, you haven't, what are you waiting right. for? Seriously. So, but I mean, that's very much what I would like to see out of a Batman film. Clearly, you're going to get him beating the crap out of some people, and that's awesome. I'm a fan of that. I love it. But, uh, but everything I can read is that the gadgetry and the toys you know, and the suit, as we just discussed, is all going to be kind of raw kind of unrefined because he's he hasn't been Batman for 20 years or 10 years. He's been Batman for one year, and he's still getting his sea legs under him. Case in point, uh, apparently the Batcave is not under Wayne Manor. It's going to be someplace off-site, and you know, we don't really know what the Batmobile is going to look like. We, we've seen glimpses of it, but that's it. So uh, anyway, well, we've so, talked... So, is this, so, so do you think that the, you know, the storyline is going to end up being... Um, you know, there's obviously uh, multiple villains that are tied into this. You know, we saw Catwoman, we, you know, Penguin, talk about the Riddler. Uh, so do you think it's going to be one of those things where there's a bunch of like small little subplots that is going to launch a, a series of movies where each villain gets their sort of, you know, day in, uh, day in the sun, so to speak? Or do you think it's really going to be a like a one through line uh, this is the story, and these other ones, these all these villains are in here to possibly throw you off the the trail as to who's pulling off sort of the master crime in this film. I think it could be the latter. Um, one of the other things that's resonated in a lot of the interviews and stuff that I've read with with Reeves is that one of the big themes that they want to hit in this film is the notion of just how corrupt Gotham City is when Batman 
come, you know, when, when Batman makes his first appearance. Right? It's, it's beyond bad. Gotham is rotten to the core. And there's even some suggestions that in a, in a very big twist from classic Batman lore, uh, Thomas Wayne may have been a part of that. Like, he, he may have been tied to the group that has brought Gotham to its knees with crime. And so, you know, in a, in a fitting turn, now it's the son who's got to come back to Gotham and clean up that mess. So I don't think, just from based on what I'm hearing, you're going to have any shortage of political intrigue in this. Please, DC, be careful on how far you go down that rabbit hole, because God knows we've got enough politics and everything else right now. <laughs> so uh, let's remember that this is a Batman film. Uh, not, yeah, not a, not a, whatever. But, uh, so yeah, that is one thing that I'm hearing is it is going to deal very heavily in, in theme and in tone and story with the corruption that is Gotham City. And the villains that you know from the Batman villain archive are going to be, you know, kind of tied up in that. Uh, all I do know is that the Riddler is the main big Batman villain who's going to be in this one. You're going to have appearances from other people, i.e. Catwoman and, and Penguin. But mm-hmm. he's going to be the one that, he's the one that's talking in the trailer. That's right. sending Batman the letter. That's that's the Riddler. So, all right, well, let me ask you this now. We kind of talked about what we wanted to see in the film. At all costs, what do you hope they avoid from doing? We've already established nobody wants another freaking origin story. We can all agree on that. But, Dave, what else do you not want to see out of this film? Where where would they screw the pooch, in your opinion, if they went that route? Well, let's just stay away from cliche. I mean, there's so much stuff that's been done over the years. There's so much, you know, the the growl that we got from Christian Bale. You know, just let's let's. You are clearly from... not going to get that with Robert Pattinson. His "I am vengeance" line. I, I needed to play that a couple of times before I could be like, "All right, I think I can grow into this." Because my first take <laughs> on that, and I posted this in the Facebook group, I was like, mm, "Nope, I'm no, don't." Couple that with the fact that he's a really thin guy and obviously a thin Batman. They didn't they didn't really go to really a lot of extremes to buff him out. Um, I don't know, man. Don't know about the voice. You don't got to do <laughs> Christian Bale and go, you know, find your your term from Tropic Thunder from Downey that's no longer appropriate. <laughs> but uh, but but you, know, you never you go full growl, sir. You never go, you never full, go growl. full growl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll stick with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, so no no cliches. I can get on board with that, Scott. What say you? At all costs, what should the filmmakers avoid with the Batman? I know we're going to get a series of Batman films out of this, but please do not make this a film solely to launch other films. Great take. You've got to give this some substance. You can't just say, hey, here's a movie and we're going to introduce all these characters. And by the end of it, we go, okay, great. Now we have to wait, you know, for all of these other movies to come out for us to, to figure out what's going on. Like you can make, you can do both. You could accomplish um, telling a really great story and set things up for this universe that you're creating. Agreed. That was one of the things that made Joker so very good to me, was I walked out of that theater, and I I thought to myself, and I want to say Dave called me, or I called him immediately after I got out of the theater. I was like, I don't want to see a sequel to this. I, I, right. I hope they never make a sequel to this, because it's pretty much perfect just the way that it is. A perfectly self-contained story. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I of all people can appreciate the the value in that. As a writer, nobody wants a story that they don't get a proper fulfilling end to that story at the end of the book or at the end of the film. You can leave threads, right? And everybody can see when you're leaving threads to be able to lead up to your next act. That's fine. 
but you know you you had better if you if you're going to end with some sort of a cliffhanger you had better already have it announced that okay part 2 is coming out one year from now like you had with Endgame you know or mm-hmm. with Infinity War you knew okay well Endgame is coming in less than a year it's a cliffhanger but this is coming it's happening but I'm with you don't don't do that here now is not the time just tell one rocking awesome batman story and then let's see where the chips fall from there and if you do that right, if you tell that story right, the other threads are going to be there. Yep. No, I to use use down the line. So just please, please, just you know, make a good film. That's what that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy. It's easy to say that sitting on this side of the mic. Well, it was kind of like my expert <laughs> analysis of the Jacksonville Jaguars losing the preseason. Don't yeah. suck. Don't, don't suck. Just don't yeah. suck. You know, and you don't have this problem. It's but like the, it's like Scott's way of running about just going. Just please don't suck. Yeah, just, just don't yeah. just yeah. don't suck. But uh, it's Batman. Just don't suck, and you'll be fine. Hey, I've gotten that advice plenty of times in my life, uh, <laughs> so I'm just passing it on. Uh, you know, I hope that, uh, and, and it you know clearly we'll have to wait and see on this one um, because it's already been cast and it's already in the process of being made. I hope that they are true to their story. And they don't let studio execs come in and screw with their story. Let the storytellers tell their story. Don't get in there and needle it to death in the name of, well, focus groups have told us that if you have three more action sequences put in from act, you know, one to three, they're going to be more inclined to buy tickets for the second showing to come back. So we're going to need you to put this in there, and this is a little too edgy. We're going to need you to cut that because it's PG-13, but we want it to skew a little bit more toward PG because Shazam did really well, and we want to get rid of all of that. Let the filmmakers tell their story, and the suit should stay out of it. You're making a Batman film. You, you hire competent filmmakers who understand what it means to make a Batman film. They know coming into this, it's not a freaking indie art house flick about potted plants and pregnant 16-year-olds. They know it's a Batman film. It's going to have some explosions in it. That's going to be fine. That's going to sell tickets. But let them tell their story. That's how you avoid coming across as cliche. That's how you get something that's fresh and new, is you let people come in and tell their story. That's what Star Wars tried to do and failed epically but we're not even delving down that rabbit hole today <laughs> uh and one one last thing you've got in these you know in these universes you've done such a good job with the the lego batman you've you've nailed the the, the kid aspect of batman you know if you want to go down that road and you want to sell toys you want to do all that you know merchandising all that kind of stuff make more lego batman films oh yeah do, who does do, do who something. does the voice for him it's uh some uh arnette annette yes yeah, something yeah. Right? Will or not, yeah, go down that road. Yeah, you've got pl- you have plenty of space to play in that in that playground. As an uh, aside, man, the Lego stuff—you want to talk about a brand that has just come out of nowhere to take plastic toys with nipples on them, essentially, and build an empire of a franchise by just being creative and knowing how to make people laugh. Yeah. Dude, the they, Lego stuff's hilarious. The of it. Yeah. They, they, Go down that road, do all that kind of stuff. Let the let these filmmakers make a gritty movie. Well, the fun stuff about the Lego films is they throw stuff in there for the parents. So I can take my kid to go see Lego Batman or Lego Star Wars, and there are going to be plenty of jokes in there that are going to shoot right over his head that as a Gen Xer, I'm going to get in a heartbeat, and I'm going to go, ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> so, I mean, that's, yeah, props to you, Lego. Yeah. So, all right, well, I think that pretty well sums it up on the Batman, but there was plenty of other stuff that happened at DC Fandom not called the Batman. Uh, the biggest two things a lot of people were talking about were the, we finally have a full trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, so we got uh, a bit more about what's going to happen there. Uh, got a look at uh, Pedro Pascal, who everybody knows from The Mandalorian. Going to be playing Max Lord. Um, so we got that. And then finally, we also got a trailer for Justice League, the Snyder Cut, which actually made me more underwhelmed to watch that film. But I'll start with Wonder Woman because that's a moneymaker for DC, and they they did really well with the first one. Dave, Wonder Woman 1984, it's clear it's going to be a period piece set in the 80s. That actually really excites me. Uh, I like Gal Gadot. I think she was a, a really nice cast. Um, you know, I didn't know that I was going to believe in her when I first saw the the picture of her. But once I saw her in Batman v Superman, I thought she nailed the role. So I'm excited to see her do more of her thing in this. Uh, what's your take? Are you going to check this out, or I mean, what are you looking forward to about it? Absolutely or not. I'll, no, I'll, I'll definitely look uh, looking forward to, to seeing some of it. My only concern after watching the trailer is now that they're going to turn it into one long running '80s joke. Right. Oh, hammer pants. Does everybody parachute back there now? I, I just, I'm a little concerned with that part of it. Is it, is it just going to be, hey, we think we can get this certain generation if we throw enough 80s stuff on here. Let, let's go through. Because they did fantastic with the original movie. The original movie was great. Uh, you know, why not continue to do what you're doing instead of turn around and try to make it into something else? My only concern. I, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, I'll definitely go through, and, and that might be another one based on kind of seeing some of the visuals. That I'll, if I get the chance to watch it in the theater, I will. But I'll definitely watch it. Uh, if not, when it when it gets into, into the home at home, uh, it it looks the original movie makes it worth me going through and taking the time to watch that. Scott, Wonder Woman 1984. You, I want to hear your take on this as a guy who watches these types of films, but also as a guy with daughters at home, man. You're you're the only one of the three uh, that has a little girl hanging out at the house. So, uh, you know, what what say you on Wonder Woman 1984? How does this fit in the Esther family? Well, I will uh, I will, I will use her words. She's like she she wants to see it. Right. Um, so uh, so we're gonna see it. That's the uh, that's the take. She really enjoyed the first one. Uh, I did too. From you know, from watching it uh, here at the house with her, um, explaining you know some of the the history behind that first film and what was going on in World War One and you know all these other uh, things that were in World War Two and and you know the history behind what we saw in the film and then now we're gonna you know jump forward to 1984 where it's another history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> sure. my daughter who who uh, wasn't around at that point so uh, so I'll be interested to see um, how they pull this off I'll you know I'll echo Dave's sentiments about the the, the 80s jokes um, there's gonna be some nostalgia that's that's gonna hit home but uh, you know if it's if it's all just you know we're gonna go back and just you know beat that horse then you know it's the film's probably gonna lose a little bit for me but uh, I'm actually interested to see how Kristen Wiig um, plays the plays the cheetah role Right. Um, as a comedic actress, um, someone who uh, just when she steps on the screen has always brought a smile to people's faces through her you know, comedy performances. I'm interested to see how that translates into this uh, uh, dramatic role and this uh, this villain, and if she can you know sort of grab a hold of um, some of that viciousness that that villains need to have to really come across well on screen. So uh, so that's what I think that's what I'm looking forward to. 
Yep, I'm. Uh, I could certainly agree with all of that. Um, I I have high hopes for this film just because it's the same nucleus of people who brought you Wonder Woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I'll harken back to what I just said a second ago. I'm a fan of giving good storytellers room to display how it is they do their thing, man. Just give them the room, give them the tools. Um, Patty Jenkins clearly showed you with Wonder Woman that she can deliver that. She gave us a fun story uh, with a great action character that, you know, for little girls all around the world, she could be a hero all over again, just like she was to generations before. You know, my wife's 43 years old. She couldn't wait to go see Wonder Woman. And it was a blast sitting in the theater where they're watching it because she's like, dude, I'm, I'm a 12-year-old, I'm 10-year-old kid all over again watching this. So I think being able to bring that to a new generation is, uh, is, is a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm on record as saying that I, I don't... I hate a lot of the kind of the, the gender bending for a lot of classic characters. I think there's a reason why characters are beloved and why they were great. It's because they're a great entity. Uh, they're a great, you know, there was something about them that connected with a whole lot of people. And I am not a fan of taking those characters and trying to turn them into something that, uh, you know, that their, their creators never intended them to be. I love it when you can have original characters that do these types of things. You know, and Wonder Woman for for women and little girls for decades now has been just an iconic action figure. So I I love the fact that they're bringing her back for another generation. That's it's met with such good success. And again, and I'll put a, a bow right back at where I started with that. It's because you gave good storytellers room to work and do their thing, and you cast a great actress to be able to pull off Diana Prince. So uh, all right, other thing we looked at, and we've actually talked about this on um, on the Snyder Cut. Uh, I talked about this on the podcast was the Snyder cut. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this visually. It looks just like Batman V Superman and justice league before, um, Joss Whedon got a hold of it. It looks like a Zack Snyder film. Everybody knows that Zack Snyder can make a fantastic looking film. The question is, will the story suck? We won't know until we watch it. I'll, you know, we all agreed on the last time we addressed this that if HBO Max gives us a freebie, we'll give it a shot and watch this one for free, but we're probably not paying for it. Based off of this trailer, I'm going to stand squarely on that. That did not change at all for me. Uh, Dave, what say you on Justice League, the Snyder Cut trailer? But but they used the song Hallelujah throughout the entire And it was stupid. <laughs> it was stupid. But, was but there ever a more overused freaking song and marketing everybody's played that song good but, lord but so uh here's and it what I'm droned thinking. and it was eerie <laughs> it was off key and some art nut somewhere thought it was awesome and i just sat there and rolled my eyes and thought this is why you got fired dude so my, my question becomes is napster still around because if not i need to find some other way to <laughs> illegally download that movie so i can make sure i spend nothing uh, nothing to watch it I just want to be able to put this. I I want to be able to put this out there that Napster and LimeWire is going to make the show notes so that all the people who are our age are going to be like, "I'm listening to that one. I remember that." (laughs) Is there is there some new way that we might be able to illegally download this movie? Holy crap! Well, at least we know why. At least we know why that thing went into mothballs the way it did. And well, like everything else, the fanboys pumped it up because, oh my God, it's got to be great, right? Because he's already made it. It's got to be. No, and, no. And then we'll just throw hallelujah behind it. And no. Good Lord, man. It's got. Oh, Listen, God. he he had a vision for what the DC Extended Universe was going to be when they gave it to him. All right. And it was all supposed to culminate with Justice League, which was going to be a two, uh, a two film deal, just like Infinity War and Endgame was. Uh, people were mixed on Man of Steel. 
they hated Batman v Superman, even though it made money, most people hated it. And then sadly, tragedy struck his family when he was in the middle of, of shooting justice league. I want to say they had about 80, 90% of the movie in the can. Um, if not the whole thing, they may have been a post prod, but anyway, he had a, a horrible, horrible tragedy befell his family. Um, and he had to step away rightfully. So as anybody would, and he handed it off to the studio, who then took the initiative to say, we're really shady on this guy's vision for the franchise. So while we now have full control over the project, we're going to go hire the guy that made the first Avengers movie a crap ton of money success. And we're going to tell him to come in and do his thing. And that's why you got the Justice League theatrical cut that you got. So, listen, I'm not you trying know, to hammer on Zack Snyder. I'm really not. The guy visually can make a stunning film. Anybody who saw Watchmen or 300 knows what he's capable of. But I just... I guess Sucker Punch was a brilliant looking film. It was one of the stupidest films I've ever seen. So I, I just, I'm not as, I'm not as psyched up for this as so many in, in comic culture are like they're salivating. I'm like, really? I just don't get it. And this trailer didn't do anything to change that for me. If there's anything that might be a saving grace on my end of it, anything, if you got to look for some kind of a silver lining in this, is it looks like they're treating Doomsday a little more like he was treated in the comics. More of a, instead of just a, a sideline portion of, hey, these two are fighting, but okay, now we have this little thing over here. That's gonna that they showed you in the trailers so that everybody knew the end of the film before they ever went into the theaters. But I right, exa- exactly. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, at least it, it looks as if it's a little more, because when you if you go back and look at what the comics looked like back at the time when it came to the Doomsday timeline, it was this thing came out of nowhere. It's it's destroying every superhero it comes across. I mean, just sometimes one at a time, two, three at a time, and you knew that Superman was the only hope as this thing went down towards Metropolis. And as it continues to move through, all of a sudden now there's a problem because Superman can't seem to get it to go down either. And it comes down in the middle of Metropolis, the two of them duking out in the middle of it, and ends up what ends up happening. Instead of it being a sideline story, I said, and Ian and I have had this conversation, that should have been your main story. That was the biggest story in comic books at the time, in history at that time. Yep, they've wasted it. They should never try and tell that story on screen again. Like you've, you've wasted that. You need to go ahead and just put that one aside and retire it. You, you swung and missed on that. It ruined every single bit of it, absolutely. So it, now it's time. You know, now if, you're, if you did it right, if you did it a little better... Maybe we go through and it, at least it salvages some of that. But yeah, I, I think at this point you're pretty much done. The freaking Smallville take on Doomsday was better than the one in Justice League and Batman v Superman. And that's saying something. Scott, Justice League Snyder Cut trailer, man. Did you get a chance to check it out? And if so, what'd you think? If I if I'm get my hands on it after Dave gets done downloading it for free, I'll check it out. There you go. <laughs> I will send it through an onion router, my friend. <laughs> I wish I had a sounder right now for like the modem dial-up sound. We'll get to that in dude mail here shortly. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, one last thing off of this, uh, I did want to reference, and I don't. We don't. There's really not a whole lot to talk about because it was just a bunch of stills that Dwayne Johnson narrated. Uh, we did finally get our first look at Black Adam. That's been long gestating uh, for for quite a while. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Black Adam, and I'm certainly not, he is an anti-hero character that is kind of affiliated with the Shazam lore. 
Um, so they're going to spin him off and obviously take advantage of the fact that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the biggest action star in the world right now. And they're going to ride that gravy train all the way to the bank. Um, looks like it's going to be a pretty cool story, though. I mean, it's based on the stills with his voice. It, it sounded cool, so I'll check it out. Uh, the other thing that came out of this weekend, and I was actually kind of glad to hear this, and I may get eggs thrown at me on Twitter for this because Twitter's evil nowadays. But um, turns out, uh, and we'll wrap this little bit of discussion with Batman. Turns out Ben Affleck has not done as Batman yet. Uh, he has agreed to sign on to reprise his role as the version of ben A- of uh, Batman Bruce Wayne that he played in the DCEU. And he's going to play that in the Flash film, which we know, now know is going to center on some sort of a multiverse story where the Flash is going to run through different points in time and alternate universes and meet various incarnations of all kinds of characters. Um, supposedly Michael Keaton is either in talks or depending on which report you read has signed on to reprise his role as a 30 year older version of the Batman he played for Tim Burton back in 89 and Ben Affleck is going to now appear in that film as Bruce Wayne, the flash as Bruce Wayne, Batman for the flash. So, um, I'm actually pretty happy to see that. I, I think Affleck was a victim of the train wreck that was the DC extended universe. I don't blame anything that went wrong with those films on him at all. I think given some room to work, and a good script and a good director, he probably would have been an exceptionally good Batman. Uh, Dave's touched on this before, you know, the, the Dark Knight Returns storyline. I think he was primed to do that, and they just wasted him. So I hope that they treat him right, give him a proper send-off, and this can be his last hurrah in the Cape and Cowwood style. Dave, speaking to you, I'm going to give you a lead on that because you're a big Batman guy, man. So go. Ben Affleck's one song is Bats. What do you think? I'm good with it. Let's give him something decent to work with. Uh, you know, I, let's let's give him a little more. Let it be an acting portion of it. You don't need a whole lot of action out of it because uh, that's just not what he's there for. Let's give him the older Batman, the elder statesman. From what I understand, that is exactly what his role is going to be. It and is that, going to be less Batman and more Bruce Wayne. And he's a guy that can connect with Barry Allen because they both lost their parents at a tender age. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why Barry Allen connects with Bruce Wayne once Bruce brings him on board with the JLA um, is because they have that kind of understanding that nobody else on the team can get and they're bringing him back to try and rekindle that aspect of the relationship to drive that home as a key theme in the film. He'll nail that. He'll rock it. Yep. If we if we can get an old man Bats out there running around, a little bit of action out of him, just but that storyline because Ben Affleck is is a fantastic actor. Uh, you know uh, what's the what's the old Kevin Smith line? <laughs> Affleck, you were the bomb in Phantom Joe. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> and he is I, coming back from Mallrats too. That has been confirmed. Well, that already has my ticket, so we're good to go on that end of it. <laughs> but no, if we if we can get a good story out of it, if you know, let's let's let him do what he does best. Uh, let's you know, let's we're we're not asking him to play anything that he that he's not. Let's just put him in there and give him something that he can work with, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Scott Batfleck, one last ride. What say you? Let him have it. If it, if the story's good, the acting will follow. You know, again, let's create good movies. Let's give uh, give the people who are good at what they do. Uh, the leeway to do the things that they do well. So, you know, write the movie well, do a, a good job, you know, putting the, you know, the actors in a place to succeed, and then the film's going to do well. Give them one more shot. All right. I'm with it. I'm with it. Well, that should draw our discussion of DC fandom to a close. Now let's see what the Pepples have got to say to us. Time to roll into some dude mail. So here we go. 
got mail. Okay, where did I put my dude mail lists? As producer, that would be good for me to have around. Just saying. We need to hire a new producer, Scott. I'm just saying. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but, but, but I tell you what, the price is right on this one. <laughs> this is true. This Let's is not be true. revealing some trade secrets here, fellas. <laughs> All right, question number one comes to us from Lucas. Uh, hey, fellas, so it looks like three conferences are actually practicing college football. No, really. They're practicing. Does this mean we could possibly have a college football season in 2020 after all? What say you? Uh, uh, Scott? I would say uh, it's there's going to be some colleges playing football, but it will not be college football. Okay. Let's just uh, let's just put it that way. Um, just just sticking with the ACC, which is where, you know, our uh, our bread is buttered with all of this. Uh just look around the league. Uh, NC State this week announced that they're going to put a pause on um, fall athletics for a bit uh, as they sort out what the uh, COVID situation looks like on campus. Uh, today, uh, UNC alone announced that 650-plus students had tested positive for COVID. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before some of these other universities start to pull back from this original commitment to play. So we're going to see what, what that looks like. Uh, at the same time, uh, the Hard Rock Stadium down in uh, Miami uh, announced that they're going to allow, I think, up to 13,000 fans in for the game. So you've got, you know, the, the meters going in both directions on this, on who wants to do what and when. So uh, we'll see if we actually have a full conference playing full college football. Dave, what say you, man? What are the odds they actually pull this off in some capacity? I think we can all agree that the 10 and 11 game schedules that some of these conferences are trotting out, that's not going to happen. But they are going to attempt something. That much is clear. What do you what do you think they get through? When all is said and done, look into your crystal ball, and what does college football in 2020 look like to you? I think we're going to get everything out of it. Uh, and what, what people look at, and I think part of the issue that we're – we're not getting into when they look at the numbers of all these students that are testing positive is these are the same students that when they leave class go down to fraternity and sorority row and hang around with another hundred kids doing a kegger because they want to have their college experience these aren't the athletes that are down and now you're going to have some of that you're going to have some some we, we talked about this in the prior episode where the kids are going to be kids at some point but it looks like everyone's doing a fairly good job of keeping their kids under wraps, making sure they understand, hey, this is your livelihood. You know, there's, there's a good chance that if you, no one else, if you mess this up, that it's going to affect somebody else's paycheck at some point down the road. It's going to affect you possibly being able to, to, to become a pro and actually make some money. So it looks like so far the actual athletic departments and the athletes themselves are doing a good job of keeping this stuff under wraps and keeping it under control. Uh, I know that down at Miami, uh, we have done studies, and we've passed that around. There's a couple universities that are doing some studies in the ACC talking about actual close contact between players and how much different positions have close contact with other positions during a game. And I know with the one that did at the University of Miami, they went back to the spring game when there was no measures in place, and they went through a, a, a three-hour scrimmage, and they looked at that. And the most that any two players had close contact with each other the overall, like if you add everything together, were the offensive and defensive linemen, I think it was an interior offensive line versus interior defensive line, and through a three-hour practice, they had eight minutes. Eight minutes total through that entire time, and there was no point in time where they ever had more time 
together that was longer than about 15 or 20 seconds because most, most plays don't take that long. And then if they do, they've stretched out at that point to where it goes out. Uh, I think they're being smart about it. I think if they continue to do that and they continue on the path that they're on now, I think we get out through most of it. Okay, yeah, I mean, I've, we've certainly made that argument, and I've heard that argument on, on a lot of other places that, uh, you know, you, you could say um, that college football players are far more protected uh, are far less likely to get COVID than the average college student because they are so much more protected. I mean, they're, they're frequenting the same quarters. They're tested once, twice, sometimes even three times per week. Um, everything is monitored medically, the food that they eat, the places that they go, the people that they come into contact, all of that stuff is watched and logged. Uh, you know, that's not, the, that's not the saying, that's not the way of it for the, uh, the college kid down at, you know, frat row. So I think, you know, Dave certainly has a point there. I do think at some point, once you roll into September and October, you are going to see some of these schools start to punt dates to places that they just won't be able to fill them anymore. So I, I stand by it. I don't think they're going to get 10, 11 games out of a season this year. I don't think anybody is. But I do think that if you play your cards right, six to eight could be reasonable. And you know what? I'm good with that. The NCAA has already announced that anybody who plays this year, doesn't matter if they play one game or ten games, it will not count against them as a year of eligibility. So everybody playing this year will have the option to be able to come back next year if they so choose. Now, for guys like you know Marvin Wilson and those people who are guaranteed, you know, Trevor Lawrence is clearly going to be the number one overall pick in April, they will not be back. But a lot of these guys might, you know, guys who feel like they need to get more, you know, more time to audition for the NFL, they will have that opportunity to come back. So I say all that to say, whatever I get out of this year is whatever I get. Um, you know, I, I am happy to use this. And Dave, you, you should probably be, I would imagine you're probably, your fans are in the same boat down at Miami. This year is really more or less an audition to make sure that you've got the right coaching staff in place and that kids who haven't really shown or seen a whole lot of success in years can now start to get put into a position to be taught how to win football games again, how to follow assignments again, to get quality coaching and quality competent um, you know, education on how to play the game of football. And you have six, seven, maybe even eight games where you get to play in live fire action against real opponents where you get to practice those things and learn those things. And the hope is that by the time you get to that eighth game – you know, you, you're seeing the evolution of your team from being what they were to being something that going into 2021, you can be excited about. That's my hope for Florida State. And I would imagine that anybody who's looking at a one-year, uh, you know, a first year of anything, whether it's a new offensive system or a new, completely new coaching staff, these are the kind of things that you just want to get out of this year. Because I'm going to go on record right now, I don't need to see a national champion this year. All right, you don't have the Big Ten, you don't have Ohio State, you don't have Michigan, you don't have Wisconsin. All right, you don't have the Pac-12. That's not much of a loss beyond Oregon. Um, you know, I mean, I, but still, you know, nobody's playing non-conference games in the SEC. If these guys can just play out and crown a conference champion, whatever that looks like, call it a day. I don't need a mm-hmm. national championship. I don't need bowls. Let's not do any of that. Let's just enjoy what we can get out of the conference schedule. Put a bow on it. Say. You know, thank you, football gods, for giving us what we got. And then let's roll on into 2021. Because I'm going to tell you, spring football is a joke. I don't need to see any of that. And if you're a fan of the Big Ten, you shouldn't either. 
Well, that, that being said, if Florida State, by some miracle of God, is able to pull off a national championship this year, I, I assume then you'll give the trophy back? <laughs> I, uh, I am under no illusions that Florida State will challenge for a national championship this year unless freaking everybody gets COVID and they just hand it to us like they did the basketball team. So, uh, which I didn't even want an ACC championship in basketball that way at all. I, I wanted that team to be able to play it out, and it's a tragedy that they didn't get to. Yeah, that's awful. I was uh, I was super disappointed about the how the basketball ended this year, but uh, uh, I, I agree with you on the on the the football side of things. Like, definitely use this as an opportunity for, uh, especially for Florida State, to get the coaching staff in place, get the philosophy right, you know, get the expectations set, um, but. All of this leads a, you know, you mentioned uh, Black Adam in the uh, in the beginning of this. If that movie does well, then The Rock just might have enough money to put into the XFL. Yeah, don't jump the shark. Some of these oh, that's coming folks. in another question. <laughs> we were asked about that. We we have that coming. So uh, we'll we'll don't get too far down that path. We're gonna get there. Just be patient, Padawan. Oh, come on. Um, yeah, but no, I, um, yeah, listen, I'll take it out of Florida state land. We got a ton of sec listeners mm-hmm. who listen to this show. Let's look at somebody like Georgia. Okay. They're going to an all new offensive system this year with a brand new quarterback. Um, you know, there, there's going to be plenty of speed bumps that they're going to have there. And we said, I said this to Mark Schlebach whenever he came on to preview our 2019 college football season. And I asked, and he kind of snickered at me a little bit for this, but I asked, are they starting to get a little restless with Kirby? Right, because it seems like Florida is really starting to shoot up through the ranks. He's never really been able to beat Bama on any kind of consistent basis. You got LSU. We don't know what they are. They turned out to be pretty good. Are they going to start getting a little restless with Kirby down there in Athens, kind of like they did Mark Richt? And, uh, you know, that may well have been the case heading into this year, which is why they overhauled their offense down there. Well, now he gets a year to iron that out. And even if they do lose to Florida this year, which I think it's a real possibility they could, depending Mm -hmm. on who all is on the field, you know, Kirby's going to be fine heading into next year. So, again, coaches that have kinks to iron out in in the fabric, this is the year to do it. This is your year to try new things and learn. You know, we talked about it with NASCAR, with Major League Baseball. You know, necessity is the mother of innovation. So now you have carte blanche to basically throw anything at the wall and see what works within reason. Now, these games do count as wins and losses, and so naturally you want to win as many of them as you can. But you know what, man? If you're kickstarting a brand-new offense like you are down at Coral Gables this year, it's a great year to do it. And your senior quarterback, if he decided he wanted to come back for 2021, can do it. You don't just lose him after this year. You get to keep him around. Uh, That said, if someone gets fired during this college football season, we're going to have to queue up some Friday quotes. (laughs) (laughs) You get fired on your day off. Dude, man. Speaking of that, and I'll get to our next dude mail question here real quick. Every year, Athlon Sports puts out a list of anonymous anonymous quotes from coaches about other coaches in their conference. So they go interview everybody and say, okay, you can say whatever you want about, you know, the other teams in your conference, but I need your thought on everybody that you're going to play this year. The stuff that came out on Florida State, this is almost a direct quote. What did we know about Florida State last year? Well, we knew that they weren't going to play hard, and we knew that they weren't going to be consistent, and we knew they weren't going to be coached under Willie Taggart. (laughs) That's one of his peers. I was like, oh, like, that's a quote. That's not embellished at all. That's what that man said, whoever that was. 
So, uh, mm, 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 mm. tough, 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 tough stuff. Anyway, college football, it's going to be what it's going to be next year. Moving on, or this year. Moving on to our next question. This comes from Mark. Uh, I saw on your Twitty feed, uh, bleh, Twitty feed. I saw on your Twitter feed where Disney is going to pull the trigger on a third Tron film uh, starring Jared Leto. As a child of the 80s, that franchise will always mean something to me, but I wonder if it means something to anybody else in this day and age. Uh, what are your thoughts? Does anybody care about a third Tron film? I think it's going to depend on what it looks like. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Tron Legacy, the story wasn't terribly compelling, but it was a beautiful freaking film to look at. So uh, if you tell a, a decent story with that sort of look, and particularly if you bring back Daft Punk to give me another soundtrack, you got my money. Dave, Scott, Tron 3, what say you? I didn't watch the second one, so we're good. It's it's worth a watch. It's a beautiful film. Crank up the crank up the stereo when you watch it. Scott? Uh I will echo Dave's sentiments. I didn't see the second one. Uh, if the third one comes across my across my plate in some way, I'll check it out. <laughs> All right. So clearly, I'm marching to the beat of my own drum here. Did you guys play uh, the always. Tron? Did you play the Tron video game when we were kids? Like, Mary used to go to the rink and like they had the arcade over there on the side. Tron was always there with the light cycles yes. and the tanks and all that. Yes. I will answer that question. I will answer that question with a question. They had a, they had a Tron video game. All right, moving on to our next dude mail question. <laughs> this one Tough comes room. From... Tough room. Dude, man. Yeah, crickets. I got a cricket sounder around here somewhere. All right, next question comes to us from Barrett. And Scott, here we go. Uh, I read where The Rock has purchased the XFL. Just why? And he even threw in the ellipsis there. Nice work. So uh, I only asked because I know you guys were fans of this league before COVID-19 put a torpedo in it back in the spring. Are you still interested? Thanks for taking my dude mail. Um, yes, I am still very interested in seeing what this is going to do for a lot of reasons. Uh, the XFL did not have the star power anywhere remotely close to what they're going to have with Dwayne Johnson behind it as the owner. Um, depending on what happens with college football, I think that there are going to be a lot of players who still want time to audition for the NFL. Uh, Trevor, um, uh, Trevor Lawrence knows where he's going to go. Justin Fields knows where he's going to go. Marvin Wilson knows where he's going to go. All right, those guys, all they got nothing to lose. They know they're going to be first-round draft picks. For the guy who knows he's going to get drafted somewhere around the sixth or seventh round, if that, he wants to make an impression on somebody. He wants an opportunity to shine. And if the XFL could get their act together to be ready to roll for a spring season, that's exactly what they might get. Uh, I think another opportunity that the XFL is going to have, particularly now with a person of color in charge, is, I mean, you've heard for years that a lot of people are really disenfranchised with the NFL because it's a league owned by a bunch of white guys, um, you know, it's run by predominantly white coaches. Well, here's a perfect opportunity to go start something new where other guys, it's going to open up a whole fresh batch of jobs, which granted, they're not going to pay extravagantly at first. But you know what, if the league gets off and running with the right leadership and the right plan behind it and the right business model, who knows what it could become in four to five years. So it's, it's really kind of the, the uncharted, you know, the uncharted country, the last frontier uh, where somebody can go out and, and start anew and, and build a pro- version of professional football that, that is what they want it to see. And I think it's got a world of potential. It's also an opportunity to afford uh, to, to offer affordable pro football to fans. You know, we had a friend of the program, Rob Howell, who lives just outside of St. Louis. He was a season ticket holder to the Battle Hawks for 120 bucks. And he's like, dude, I had a blast at every game I went to. It was so much fun. Fans like that can afford to go to an XFL game. They can tap that market of people who don't want to pay 
close to a grand to go to one or two NFL games. So, Scott, you're pretty close to, to pro sports, uh, the, the, the world of sport business. You've even got some ties to the XFL. What were your thoughts when you read that Dwayne Johnson had purchased the NFL or the XFL for $15 million, no, no less, which is a steal of a price? Uh, you know, what are well, your thoughts on this? Can it work now, this time? I, I, think it, I think it can still work. I think it was working uh, before the pandemic hit. Um, and mainly because they had solidified really good television money. So if The Rock is able to solidify television money, they've got something going for them uh, in the spring of 2021. Now, there's also going to be a lot of uh, college guys. There's going to be a lot more talent um, who are sort of in that limbo area that are probably going to be willing to take a chance on a league like the XFL because they saw some success uh, this last time around before it got, you know, as you mentioned, torpedoed. So I think there's going to be some of those guys that are going to say, you know what, I'll, uh, I'll do whatever college football looks like this fall. Uh, and then in the spring, I'm going to jump and actually get some real game uh, exposure with some other guys. It's going to be another tune-up before they go into the draft for the NFL in 2021. So uh, it's really going to be interesting to see what the economics of uh, football looks like as we move forward. Uh, the NFL is going to be fine. It's going to do what it does. Uh, but you're already starting to see some colleges taking a look at their athletics budget and wondering, why are we doing this? You know, this isn't, you know, sure. if, if, if this if this one thing is going to, you know, put us in a deficit and put us in a compromised position, then we have to take a serious look at whether we do what we did before or if we make some changes. And so I don't know if there's going to be any serious changes to athletics but if there's even small changes that has a ripple effects for the smaller colleges that don't have the athletics budget that uh that the you know most of the power five has so uh it will be interesting to see i think it can be successful uh it's the power of the rock can't uh, can't deny it you know i think we're all smell what the rock is cooking so you know what man i mean that guy's got a lot of ties in business and in hollywood he places some calls you know i mean there's already talk that michael jordan could be coming to nascar um, there's, there's talk that they are trying to sell him on a, uh, on an ownership stake in Richard Petty Motorsports to keep Bubba Wallace in the 43 moving forward, uh, possibly with Toyota as the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of sport business and I'm not going to spend, we're talking about the XFL right now, but, but this matters. Um, you know, if they can manage to, to lock that down, Bubba Wallace has been bringing in a lot of money. Ever since, um, you know, ever since he made his statement with the Black Lives Matter car and all of that, uh, he's been rolling in money. He has parlayed that into what's going to be a very big contract, and he's making a lot of money off of sponsors that he didn't have prior to that. And Michael Jordan, the great one, Michael Jordan, may be coming on board that team. You know, jump ship over to the XFL, you could see that same paradigm there with a lot of big-name people get involved with a financial stake in that league, and if that happens... Who knows what that league could become? And right now, if they get the television money in place, yeah. the league is small enough that you could do a bubble scenario and play some games in the spring if this thing is extended beyond that. Yep. Where you could you could actually play football games, football games that matter, and you know you wouldn't have to worry about crowds and those types of things. It's yep. a small enough league that you could do that. Nobody so ever. To, nobody ever plays. Nobody ever plays in the LA Coliseum anyway. So we're going to take everybody to LA for two months and play <laughs> right. play a, an eight game season and call it a day. Dave XFL. I don't want to call it three We'll call it two point five. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, man, 
What what was your take when you read that header? Did you care? You know, uh, yes and no. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what he can put behind it. But on top of the fact that you have The Rock as a, as a uh, one of the first minority orders, minority owners of a league, you also have, and one of the things that's kind of been overlooked, is you have the first female that is a uh, major owner. Or and owner it's his ex-wife. And, well, they, and they've been doing they've been doing business for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, they, they, he when they got divorced, she she continued to be his business manager, and obviously that's worked out pretty well for him and for them. Sure. Um, but y- they're gonna have to find something. Uh, either they're gonna have to understand within themselves that that they're they're not gonna compete with the NFL. They're just going to be their own thing, or they're gonna have to find a way to try and compete with that and go through and pull off a, a Herschel Walker type situation. So we got to figure out where that money's coming from. And when I say Herschel Walker, for those of you that don't know, Herschel Walker going to the USFL before he ever went to the NFL. Uh, Herschel Walker, the USFL was a league that was going around uh, that was trying to compete. They went out and paid the big money, got Herschel Walker to come to the USFL, and that basically parlayed them into a huge deal where the NFL had to take notice and ended up buying them out uh, before yep. they went bankrupt. So I think that's where that's where you're at with it. I mean, they, they need to figure out what their place is. What is their station? What do they want to accomplish, and how do they reach those goals? Are, are we going to be a spot where, hey, we're just going to be that in-between entertainment where some of these guys can get some football done. It's a time when we normally don't have football so that the, you know people will watch and we know what we have going on and then grow into something. Or are they going to get out there and start swinging, i.e. AEW, when it comes to the pro wrestling world, and see if they can start competing, try to do something, I think the second is going to be the death knell because it has been for anybody else that's ever started up, uh, including the XFL, the first time they tried to do this. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, the other thing that I think would be interesting is if you really want to make some waves out there. If you remember, uh, I think it was this year or last at the Super Bowl, you know, The Rock came out and, and did introductions for each individual player as if they were walking down a, yep. a red carpet. Do it, man. Get it out there. Put it out there and have him get out there and do what he. one of the things he does best. I mean, that's what The Rock was known for in the WWF, which was his mic skills. Let's get him out there pumping everything up, pushing out the crowd, and doing what he's got to do. Yep. Uh, quick sidebar on that, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. He has really deep ties with NBC because of the Titan games. So going be, gonna to be interesting to see how all that plays out. All right, final question of the night comes to us from, where's my spot? Rachel. Uh, Let's see here. Yo, guys, the NHL playoffs have been a blast so far, even though they're not the kind of postseason that we are accustomed to. Then again, maybe I'm just excited to watch hockey again. LOL. Uh, Are any of you guys hockey fans? And if so, have you been following the playoffs? Who do you see as being the favorites to take home Lord Stanley's Cup? Uh, This is the one I'm going to play the Tron card on this and say I genuinely have no idea. (laughs) Hockey for me is skates in a blender. I know there's strategy to it. I know there's a method to the madness that there is there is plan there that there's I know there's strategy to it. There is a game there, a methodology. I just don't understand it, and I've never really hung out with anybody with a crowd that could explain it to me. So, you guys want to weigh in on hockey? You watch the the sticking the sticking puck guys. Before before Scott comes in and expounds exponentially on this, because I know he can, I know he will. <laughs> uh, I will tell you the only thing that there's less of than my interest in hockey is teeth. So go ahead. Wow. <laughs> Dave, Dave really? the only time Dave ever knew anything about hockey was when Van Beesbrook played for the Panthers. Like, that was it. I want to say you had a Beezer jersey, didn't you? Like, way back I in the day? A, I did have a Panthers jersey, uh, yes. Uh, we, we got we got wrapped up in South Florida sports because every now and again you have to get involved with it. Uh, I did have a, a hockey uh, jersey at one point in time. Uh, I know from having just gone through all of my clothes 
to, to get rid of what I don't wear anymore that I no longer own that piece of uh, that piece of memorabilia. Uh, but uh, but yes, that being said, uh, again the the only thing I have uh, less of uh, there is less of in hockey is than my interest is is their teeth. So continue. All right, Scott. I do know that you're a hockey guy, man. So hit it. What what say you on the NHL playoffs? Well. Having, I'm, I'm literally watching the Lightning and the Bruins play right now. Uh, game three of the second round of the playoffs, and the Lightning just scored two goals within a, about a minute and a half. So uh, pretty pumped about that right now. So they're up 2-0 in the first period. Uh, a period is what other people call quarters. I, I, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I don't need I'm to be. Learning. I don't I'm need, learning. Continue. I don't need to be educated like some twerp tried to do for me on Twitter today about sponsorship and business and NASCAR. Oof. I was wow. just like, oh, really? You want to go down that road? Do you? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you want to read some some laughs, go back and follow me on Twitter today and a uh, little discussion I had under the official NASCAR handle. It was good times. Well, right now, playoff wise for hockey, we are uh, it's the second round of playoffs. Um, Mainly the the bubble that was formed that the NHL did was to to get the playoffs in motion. Uh, so there's two host cities, one in Western Canada, one in Eastern Canada, uh, Toronto and Edmonton. For uh, those who know their geography, uh, right now second round, um, most about midway, well early in the second round. So uh, you've got uh, Tampa Bay playing Boston. They're tied one one in the series. This is Game Three going on right now. Um, Philadelphia and the New York Islanders on the Eastern Division. The other side of that, tied one to one. Philadelphia uh, played today and uh, and beat Islanders to draw even there. Uh, on the West Western Conference, you've got uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in year two of their existence against the Vancouver Canucks. They're tied one to one, and then you've got Dallas and then the Avs. Dallas is leading that series two zero. So uh, so right now playoffs are uh, in, in pretty good spot. I'm I'm partial to the Lightning, having watched them down Tampa a lot uh, there without some of their uh, big stars and Stamkos and, and McDonough at, the, at this point. But um, uh, they've got youth on their side, in my opinion, and I think they're going to, uh, to end up beating Boston in six. But, um, you know, Boston lost their league goalkeeper. Uh, he decided he didn't want to be in the bubble anymore, had some family things that he wanted to take care of. So, um, so they're down to their second string goalie uh, playing full time. He's in his mid-30s. It's a little bit tougher to get uh, in and around after uh, at that age for those of us who have been there and passed it. <laughs> uh, Indeed. Can speak from experience. So, uh, so you know, it's fun. I think the NHL has done a really good job of creating a, uh, a sport uh, out of this pandemic and creating some excitement around the game. All the games have been on television. Uh, they've been happening at all times during the day, so... Uh, Hockey's been on. It's been something that people can watch. I think you know you're, you might even pick up a few new fans out of this. So, um, so I'm going to keep watching. Um, you know, I my only advice if you haven't watched a lot of hockey, it's uh, it's good to pick it up on TV. NBC actually does a pretty good job of uh, explaining some of the game as it goes along. So, um, you know, while it lo- just looks like a bunch of guys skating around on ice and, uh, and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, they're going to explain a little bit about what's going on with the rules and things. So um, have some fun with it. Nice. Sports. All right. Well, she did want to know who our favorites were to win the cup. So I'm going to put that one on you. Who who goes to the uh, finals and who takes the who takes Lord Stanley's cup? I think it'd be uh, 
I'm I'm gonna homer this one uh, with, uh, with with Tampa Bay making it to the finals. I think they're uh, they're the best team going right now. I think they'll get past Boston, and they're better than both uh, the Islanders in, in Philadelphia. So, uh, so I'm gonna put them in the finals. The Western Division, uh, to me, I'm not as familiar with, but um, you know Dallas has obviously uh, played really well going into this uh, this series. Uh, so I, I see them uh, playing Vegas. In the uh, in the Western Conference Finals, uh, to me, that's a toss-up on who comes out of there. Uh, Vegas made it to the finals last year, uh, so they might be a slight favorite. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll homer this up. one and uh, and put Tampa uh, taking home uh, Lord Stanley's Cup. There, if you're gonna be a homer, how, be a homer, man. How how is uh, Wayne Gretzky doing this year? Uh, he has missed uh, zero shots that he hasn't taken. So. Awesome, awesome. I've heard Michael Jordan did say that once. Yes. Oh, alrighty, fellas. We are ticking down past the hour. This has been an extended conversation of ours with the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast, but uh, I do believe it is time we hit the white flag. White flag. Okay, white flag is that straw. You guys know what white flag is. Good Lord, we've been at this a year. Uh, stuff we're looking forward to on the radar. Geek stuff, guy stuff, sports stuff, whatever. Uh, in my case, it's actually not something I'm looking forward to as much as something that I just got. Um, the audiobook from uh, From the Ashes, or for From the Ashes, which is a Fallen World anthology that I got to be a part of. Um, really, really a lot of fun. I had a blast writing in that universe. Uh, I wrote a short story called The Coward of Leon County, which is set in the Florida Panhandle and uh, follows a guy who's traveling through Pensacola, Panama City to get to Tallahassee because there's somebody he's got to find. And if you're picking up a bit of a Kenny Rogers vibe in there, that's that's very much intentional. Go buy the book, read the story, and you'll know why that is. But as short stories go, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, but all of the stories in the fallen world are really, really good stuff. The audiobook itself is 16 hours of goodness. And the guy who reads these is uh, by far one of the better narrators out there, a guy named Mark Boyette. So uh, anyway, that dropped yesterday. I uh, plugged it in on my headphones at lunchtime and started checking that out. So that is brand new and something I will be looking forward to in the days to come as I wrap that up. Uh, also happening this weekend... Not any shocker to anybody, the NASCAR season finale is going to be at Daytona. If you want to know why we watch NASCAR, watch Saturday night under the lights for the regular season finale at Daytona. Uh, You've got no shortage of stories. And as sports fans, stories are what draw us to the flame. I mean, there are those of us who played a sport, and so naturally you watch it because you identify with you know, the tactics and the strategy and, and what's happening on the field. And there's certainly, you know, the, uh, an aspect of that that we all love about sport. But for the average fan, it's about stories. And this weekend is, is no different than that. You know, all scrapping for the final playoff spot are a seven-time champion who's announced that he's retiring after this season, and he hasn't won yet. He hasn't won in almost four years. That's Jimmy Johnson. You've got the kid who took over three years ago for Jeff Gordon in the 24. Everybody tabbed him as the next great prodigy. Well, it's been three years. He still hasn't won. And a whole lot of people are kind of raising an eyebrow at him now going, okay, are, are you a bust? You know, are you a, you know, a, a Jamarcus Russell? Is that who we've got here in the fabled 24 car? Uh, so he's scrapping for a playoff spot. Across the way over in the Ford camp, you've got a guy named Matt Benedetto who I've talked about on this show. One of the nicest guys you'll follow in NASCAR social media. Guy who has nothing to his name in terms of legacy. He did not. He's not an Earnhardt. He's not an Elliott. He's not a Dylan. He has nothing to hang his hat on to try and bring sponsors to the table. He's fought and clawed his entire career for one shot to get a quality ride, and he got that this year in the 21 
on a one-year deal, and they've already got a rookie coming up for the ranks who may take his job. He's battling for a playoff spot on Saturday night. So uh, throw in a Clint Boyer who's perpetually on the bubble, much to my wife's chagrin, and Saturday night, under the lights, Daytona, what we used to call restrictor plate tracks, pack racing at its finest, big spectacle, personalities abound. Woo! Saturday night, this weekend, going to be crazy. So white flag, apropos, that's what I'm pitching out there. Dave, what are you looking forward to, man? Two words, my friend. College football. <laughs> yeah, suppose it's like Austin P and Central Arkansas State, somebody like that. They got a game scheduled that's going to be televised this Saturday. You can watch I, that. I do not care. It will be a pigskin <laughs> being tossed around, even if it is badly. Uh, college football. College football. College football. Oh, and I forgot. College football. I hope it happens, man. I really do. Scott, what say you, man? White flag. What are you looking forward to? Well, I've got uh, the rest of the hockey playoffs to watch. Uh, hopefully, Tampa Bay goes deep into uh, into that, and makes it to the finals. Um, and then the other thing that I'll that I'll bring up, and I, I, this this again will fall on uh, deaf ears for the two of you guys, but uh, starting in September, uh, English Premier League gets going back again, uh, German soccer gets going back again, and also uh, the women's. Soccer League is going to be hosting another round of, uh, of games here, the NWSL. So uh, excited about watching the, watching the games with my daughter and uh, seeing what that looks like. So uh, don't forget about that. Don't sleep on that. If you want uh, some more info on it, uh, hit me up. I'll uh, be happy to talk about it. At Fungo, uh, at Fungo Bats on Twitter is the way you get a hold of them. Uh, all right, guys. Well, I think that's going to put a bow on this one. Thanks to everybody for listening in. As always, if you're a big fan of this show, leave those five stars and those ratings. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you subscribe, if they will let you leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you would do that for us. Also, don't forget to check us out online, dudesinhyperspace.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter via the Facebook group, at the Hyper Dudes on Twitter. And you can email the show if you ever want to get a hold of us. We always love hearing from you guys. So until next time, for Dave Daniel, Scott Esther, I'm Ian J. Malone, saying you guys have a wonderful night, and we'll see you next time on the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. See ya. Later.